0: Welcome to the Creative Moment Podcast. Brought to you in association with marketers. This week, I'm thrilled to be catching up with Ben Branson, CEO of Seedlip and his new venture, Acorn Paratifs, as part of our Creativity Matters series of podcasts. Ben used to work for a number of different creative agencies before founding the non-alcoholic brand Seedlip in about 2015. On the face of it, Seedlip is a combination of his childhood, his family had been farming for about 300 years, and his previous career as a brand and design strategist in the food and drink sector. Seedlip debuted in Selfridges in 2015, the very first batch of bottles sold out in about three weeks, the second batch in three days, and a third 1,000 in less than half an hour. Iconic places like the Fat Duck, the Clove Club, Dandelion, the Savoy, the Ritz and even Buckingham Palace were soon in touch. The demand was clear. Ben, welcome to the Creative Moment podcast. Thanks Ben. <laughs> that does that is awkward, isn't it? Uh now Ben, it's refreshing to hear someone from the creative sector, uh like yourself, uh having made it as a, in a proper job, frankly. Um <laughs> how uh, how influential is your your knowledge of brand strategy been to you creating Sealip?
1: Uh it yeah, it's a good question. I, I guess really helpful. Um, in short, I'm fortunate that you know my mum's side of the family are in farming, and my dad uh, is in brand design, and so I sort of grew up with this slightly curious mix um, of understanding where you know the chips on my plate had come from from the sack of potatoes from our field in our kitchen,
0: right.
1: but also sort of having this. Uh, pretty high level of curiosity about what Dad did and brands and design and uh supermarkets and consumers and and so understood a bit about that bit as well and I guess he definitely the output of both of those coming together and my career in in sort of brands and design definitely i definitely learned a lot about the consumer I learned a lot about what you know drives people to make decisions about what brands and products that they choose. Um, and I guess the importance of a brand and of making something that's meaningful and relevant and solves a need in people's lives were certainly certainly things that I sort of picked up, probably without even realising um, along the way. So, yeah, really, really helpful, and I, I think it's hopefully something that's, that's of use in, in what we've created with seedlit.
0: Uh, just, um, just while we were on the name, just just tell me how that came about.
1: Uh, yeah, so um, I I really, you know, I've done sort of naming projects um, for clients in the past and always found them, uh, A, kind of exciting, but also, to be frank, a pain in the ass. Um, you know, names are incredibly subjective, and uh, you can see why people don't like sharing the name of their potential new baby, because... You know, everybody knows a John that they don't like or, you know. yeah. Uh, and so they're, they're really, names are really fragile things. And I, I kind of got fully in-depth into, you know, I've got to find a really amazing name and uh, I had 10 options. And I would actually went home and uh, was talking to my gran about how, what life was like for, that she could remember or had been told about uh, when we started farming, uh back in the seventeenth century. And I just, you know, I was asking her sort of what, what she'd been told and, and she said, Well, you know, the farm was very small because we were really farming for ourselves at that time and everything would be done by hand. Um, including sowing seed, um, from baskets called seed lips. And I kind of I don't know, it it struck a chord with me, um I got yeah quite carried away with it. My grand didn't really understand why I was getting quite so excited about it. <laughs> um and it just seemed to fit that A it, it kind of is a nice nod, an ode to my family's uh path, but also is literally what we are doing with SeedLip of taking, you know, things from seed, uh, right through to lip. So it seemed to kind of fit literally as well.
0: I I must say I know someone who's a big seed lip fan and um she, she, on the face, I don't exactly know, but she seems to be. I think she's basically allergic to alcohol. So it's, uh, having things like seedlit means that she can kind of drink socially again. Um, you seem to have a, a pretty loyal uh, and, and vocal fan base. Is that is that surprised you, or did you think was that part of the plan before you launched? Um,
1: I think if I if I truly believed and taken on board um, the negative comments I got when telling people that I was doing, you know, a distilled non-alcoholic spirit, I definitely wouldn't have sort of launched the business. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, we we do there is a lot of, I guess, drinking alcohol, non-alcohol food and drink in general is a very emotionally charged, you know area for people um, and that come, brings with it, you know, a whole, whole kind of multitude of of reactions and I know from sort of my past days that you know the holy grail is, is the word love um, but also there are plenty of businesses out there the likes of Marmite where hate's also really important. Um,
0: right so you, so you get it both you get it you bet you see both sides. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and
1: both sides are important okay. and um, wanted to create something that that had meaning and relevance and uh, sort of the need in people's lives, regardless of why you're not drinking, you should be able to get a good grown-up non-alcoholic drink. And the options are really poor, and we can be quite angry about, you know, being served a horrible lime and soda. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so, yeah, it it's uh, it has been a fascinating journey. And, I yeah, I definitely couldn't have planned in my kitchen three years ago that we were going to be where we are now.
0: Uh, I mean, the timing is... It, that it seems to have worked, doesn't it? You know, in all these things, there's an element of luck, um, yeah. and it, it we would appear anyway to be in a bit of a, a health. I don't know revolution might be a bit strong, but you know what I mean. There's people, no, no, in nutrition, sure. exercise, clean living, mindfulness, all that stuff. It, it just sort of seems to be creating an environment where, frankly, a non-alcoholic spirit like Seedlip would it's, it's create a space for it to thrive, is not it?
1: Yeah, I I put. You know, ninety-nine percent of our success down to the timing, right? Okay. You you can't really choose the timing, but um, that's a lot of luck. And we're living in an age now where you know there is so much rapid change in how people live their lives, how people buy products, socialise, what's important, um, and what's on offer, and. People are, are changing what they drink when they drink alcohol and they're changing what they drink when they don't drink alcohol. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's forcing a huge sort of recalibration of of people's priorities and, and what they want to buy.
0: I mean, I, it's, it's a big old question, isn't it? Where, I, I wonder where, presumably somewhere um, at the top of all the, 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 these large drink producers, somebody's thinking, right, the, the uh, consumers' relationship with alcohol appears to be changing, doesn't it? We seem to be becoming less of a... drinking less, frankly, um, and, and, yeah. and, and in in, a, in different ways. Millennials, which is a terrible term, but they don't seem oh. to be going out and getting hammered in quite the same way that maybe the like of, of you and I did at university. I don't know. So it's... Right. It's, the, it's the,
1: the landscape has, has shifted. Yeah. And ironically, it's... Um, although globally... You know, we are drinking less volume of alcohol. Um, Value is hugely up, and people are drinking better and drinking more premium drinks.
0: Well, makes sense, doesn't it? If you're drinking, if you're you're doing less of something, you want to, you want to do. You're probably going to spend more money on on a higher quality of it.
1: Um, Yeah, and it's never. You know, I I think it's sort of the most exciting time within the cocktail space, Mm. and you know, we do a lot of work with lots of top cocktail bars and, uh, you know, the energy commitment and kind of creativity within what's possible with a drink and now what's possible with a drink when it just doesn't have to contain alcohol is, is a really exciting dynamic area. But I think people are just more mindful or starting to become more mindful that actually all those stigmas of, oh, you're boring or you can't have a good time or I'm not going to go out because I'm not drinking... Suddenly, all those those kind of taboos and shackles just start to release a bit, which I, I guess is yeah is hugely encouraging.
0: i Just I'm a bit of a numbers guy at heart. What what? Mm. H- how big is the the non-alcoholic spirit market in the UK? I mean, in, in pure ballpark terms, I'm not going. So
1: the non-alcoholic category yeah. in the yeah. UK is worth 100 million pounds.
0: Okay, and and. I, I haven't and we this. are the
1: far and and non alcoholic spirits non-alcoholic spirits are the fastest growing segment within
0: that right and what sort of percentage of that have you got again in rough numbers is, is that a... I've
1: got no I've got no idea
0: okay right. um and just to compare that the, the, do you know that the, the alcoholic spirit market is that it, presumably that is
1: that well is... we we spend or I think uh, I think we spend probably about £14 billion pounds a year on alcohol and £14 billion pounds a year on soft drinks wow. okay. um, in the UK.
0: So it's a decent-sized uh, market, isn't it? Yeah. Um, now, looking back um, from your, I suppose, your first career, is that how you define it? Is that Do, yeah. you, do you think of it in a first and second well, okay. career kind of, yeah. kind of way? Um, what would you say the creative sector gets right from a brand perspective and what do they get wrong? And I, I ask you that now as a sort of... Uh, a CEO, looking back. Um...
1: Yeah, it's, I tell you, it's been fascinating, obviously, being on the other, you know, having worked with clients and with people's brands to now be on the other side of the table. Um, I think from what I, you know, what I remember about working agency side was, there's, you know, there is a hell of a lot of incredibly creative, driven, ambitious and talented people within that sector. I think the challenge was always to prove the value of that and obviously proving the value of of something slightly intangible like creativity or design um, commercially yeah. um, was always, you know, it was always a big challenge. And, you know, we used to say to, to people, look, you, you know, anyone can make something look nice. You know, you can go onto a logo generator on a website and have loads of sort of pretty options put in front of you, but there's a a whole, you know, strategic element behind why a design or why a brand looks the way it looks and how it talks and walks and speaks. And um, I think that that's where certainly we, when I was agency side, we'd really tried to focus on on that kind of strategic and more consumer-focused element. You know, we've got to make this real and in people's lives. Um, I think agencies, uh, for all their good bits, um, can, can get a few things wrong sometimes. I think there's a level of just thinking that um, the client must care about the creative work and that's the only consideration that they have when actually, when you approach it from a business perspective, um, you know there are loads of other aspects to consider for a business than just what the brand might look like um and so kind of i i would and i'm talking about design agencies obviously specifically here but i think it applies to to all different creative agencies of really trying to understand the full business context um i think has been really important because people aren't asking for redesigns or campaigns um because they want things to look nice or have had a have had a good idea you know these are Obviously underpinned by key commercial objectives, and and so I I think the commerciality of agencies could could and I'm I haven't been in an agency for five years then, so I, you know maybe that's all changed, but that was my sense
0: uh, when I was there. I think broadly uh, the same challenges exist, frankly, but okay. um, yeah the. Uh, what type of agencies do you employ now? I mean, I suppose you obviously do you have a do you do you have a PR agency? Do you have a creative agency? Do you have an SEO agency? But well, I'm intrigued at the um, now your buy side. Do you do you do do, you, do, do you walk the talk yes. so to speak, or, or, <laughs> we, a,
1: we actually do um, the vast majority in house.
0: Right. Okay. So it's not, but you have the skills. You have the people doing that stuff. Yeah, it's just you we, don't, what, it, which you is.
1: Know, we, in the UK, we do all our own in-house PR and kind of uh, sponsorship and brand engagement work. We do all our own in-house creative and design work. And then we work with some, you know, we have a, a photographer that we work with. We work with a design agency that do the kind of core uh, brand work. Um, but no, we do, we actually do a lot of it uh, in We do all our own events, you know, we do a lot in-house.
0: Uh, and why is that? Is that just is that a control element or is it that's just, it's just something that you like having people who understand your brand a bit more, a bit more 24 seven than than this type of agency environment or?
1: Yeah, I think some, some of it is the, the control aspect. Some of it is the fact that, you know, uh, three years ago it was me in my kitchen and we're now 65 people, you know, around the world with offices in UK, LA and Sydney. And so we've grown really fast and, So having that kind of full-time dedication of of somebody that uh, is living and breathing the design work or living and breathing the PR work um, so far has proved really, really valuable um, and allowed us to have that sort of flexibility, stay agile and uh, do really good work, I think.
0: Now, tell me if I'm right or or indeed wrong, but the... uh, Am I right in thinking there was quite a bit of experimentation in the early days of the product? Is that is that right? Um, yeah. Uh, yes. what does that, yeah. What is that? I mean, was that pre-launch, no, post-launch? just talk me through that.
1: Uh, I mean, I I think we we're we're still a you know we're still very much a work in progress as a company. Right. Um, it took me two years to create Seedlip, um, and that was you know a lot of trial and error and experimentation. Uh, from a production process, a distillation process, um, ingredients perspective, as yeah. well as just trying to understand and, and learn about what a drinks business is, does, how it behaves, margins, the finances, um, how people are drinking, what people like to drink. Um, so there was a huge amount of kind of uh, investigation
0: th- required. The business stuff, you, I, I suspect you could probably get your, your head round, but the, the, the idea... The, it must take a, a huge amount of time to. I mean, you bet the creation of the product mm. uh, and the relationship, presumably, the, the different ingredients to each other yeah. and how how they. I mean, I know nothing about distilling, so it's a different. You know, I I can't. But it, the mind boggles a little bit about where where exactly you start on that process and 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 frankly, where you end up, I suppose. But 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 it took. How long did you say that sort of took? Or just on the product Two years.
1: bit. Two years. Wow. Yeah. So, and that was to do one product, you know, that was to create Seedlip Spice, which uh, was our first product. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That was, that was sort of two years and that, and that sort of, yeah, was uh, a lot of work um, and doing things that people hadn't done before and, and actually trying to celebrate some of my own naivety within that of asking stupid questions and, and trying stupid things. You know, I was distilling pebbles and sesame seeds and all kinds of stuff, just just because I was sort of just fascinated to try and understand the process and try and understand what, what worked and what didn't.
0: I have to um, ask, what, what happens if you distill a pebble? Uh, I, I'm assuming <laughs> not, not a, a lot. lot. I was, <laughs> not,
1: not a lot. I was sort of hoping for... Um, I, I, well, I didn't use enough pebbles because I was sort of hoping for, for kind of some some of those sort of quite chalky right. um, peppery kind of, not that anyone knows what a pebble tastes like no. probably you'll lick them as kids maybe but um, yeah I, I kind of, I just I guess I'm fascinated by the world of ingredients, nature and flavour and and the sort of idiot that will will try things um, just to see and give it a go and, and that kind of curiosity of mine I guess hopefully is is the bit that I I really try and keep alive um and it's why I, you know we're about to launch the next business in about five weeks time um and and keep pushing this category forward
0: and and the, the I mean let's come on to that now should we that's 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 of aperit- teeth, is it just just yeah. talk us through that
1: yeah so um we've got our you know we've got our sort of and we've got our three products within that range um, and just sort of wanted to kind of expand the category, expand and create a portfolio and look at actually the sort of aperitif occasion. Yep. Um, that first drink of the evening, you know, sitting down with food or bar snacks um, that that has traditionally not really been uh, catered for for people if they're not drinking, and and the common sort of I guess consistent theme that comes out of aperitifs or that that first drink of the evening is is bitterness, and and so we sort of we're going to launch a range of three um, different, very different styles of aperitifs uh, in a in a retailer in in London in about five weeks uh my PR agency that we have we do have working on on the Acorn launch will shoot me for saying anything else, but mm. um and brought in uh a lady called Claire Warner who uh spent fifteen years at, at L V M H um and yeah, has got a fabulous palette and is a wonderful kind of advocate of, you know, great health, wellness and, and great flavor, and so she's kind of in charge running the running the company. Um, so it's a completely yeah, separate
0: entity. No. Yeah. Yeah. Separate. Okay. Yeah, separate, right. separate business. Separate right. small team. Um, Why did you decide to do that? Just having interest rather than. than I, th- I think you know
1: we're like we're s- still so young um, with our seedlit business and, and with the team, and we are literally just getting started and literally just scratching the surface and. You know, trying to run Seedlip across 25 countries yeah. uh, with a with a big team, it's sort of like actually I don't want to distract anyone, so we can give some real focus with a small kind of crack team um, to develop develop the idea and develop the, the brand and the liquids. Well,
0: um, it, it's great to see, a, a, I guess, a, a UK startup doing so well. Um, thank is you. That uh, is, I mean, that that international bit is. It's always different, difficult, I should say, when I, I talk to you because it's, it's so tempting to do that, isn't it, when you're in that startup phase? But you can do it too early, it's, yeah. you know, when you don't have that resource. And, and, but it yeah. seems to me you, well, often the out, externally anyway, you seem to get the timing about right.
1: Oh, well, it, it's um, – we were really – you know, we heard from 100 countries in the first three months. And that was really, you know, wow, 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 this is amazing. And then we kind of set ourselves this sort of rule that we wouldn't entertain another market um, or look into it until we got enough kind of consumer demand. And and so it's all very well bartenders emailing us or distributors. But when you've got real, you know, when we have people emailing us from New Zealand saying, look, I've been buying Seedlip now for six months and I order a case every month, and I pay for the shipping charges, and I'm okay with that, but, you know, I'd really love it if you could let me know when you're coming to New Zealand. You know, that, that kind of stuff, um, for us, was really a really good sort of sign and, and proof that, right, let's, let's have a look into New Zealand, yeah. for example. Um, well, so, I guess yeah,
0: there's that, a danger if you don't do it. Someone else, you know, steps yeah, into that. So, uh, yeah, and it's balance,
1: see. right? It's a balance of maintaining the focus on on a market that's working and, and driving that harder and deeper and building building the business in, in a market that's working, whilst also kind of sitting with the slightly uncomfortable feeling of, well, we need to go and light some other fires and, yeah. and uh, be first in other markets.
0: I, I mean, I suppose from a product perspective, you, you just – do you try and do that in in house, or do you just get a distributor in a different country, or do you just it depends on the country maybe? It depends. It depends yeah. on
1: the country. Yeah. Okay. Um, it depends on the country and how. Yeah. I mean, somewhere like New Zealand, we have a very small distributor, and we've got a, there's a kind of lip ambassador who's there, um, and that's all all manageable. Um, so yeah, it it literally depends. It depends on the size of the market.
0: But in terms of the crea- the creative. Element in the branding, it's the all the UK. same.
1: Yeah, yeah it's yeah. all. It's all. Um, we kind of try and we try and rule with a very uh, consistent fist rather than an iron fist. But
0: but um, doesn't mean something something nasty in another language. You know no, what I mean? Not,
1: we haven't had any of those surprises <laughs> yet. We haven't had any of those surprises yet. Okay. Um,
0: brilliant. brilliant. Ben, thank you so much. Great to chat to you. Uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks, Ben. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Creative Moment Podcast. If you've liked the show, please subscribe and give us a decent review on iTunes.